Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and we've got another great episode with another great guest lined up for today. Today's guest is a senior solution principal at Dell. Please welcome to the show, Jerry Ryan. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Justin. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to having you here. And we're going to get started the same way that we always do, is asking you what you think is the biggest challenge facing the frontline workforce today. Give me your two cents on that. Yeah, it's, 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 um, so there's two, I, got, I have two different aspects on that. One is the commercial side. And the other one is, which I represent now uh, as a solution principal, is the DOD side. Right? So I'm responsible for uh, uh, the uh, workforce uh, adoption and transformation uh, uh, for the Air Force and then a number of other uh, institutions within the DOD, like the uh, U.S. Army OCONUS, right, um, and DARPA and DISA and some of those others. Now, from a commercial standpoint, it's uh, it's it's kind of the same between the both, believe it or not. It's the adoption of new hardware, right? And and putting together a smart lifecycle plan, right? A lot of these customers, for some reason, right, they put a huge emphasis on the data center, which is definitely justified, but they don't put enough emphasis on what the end users who actually do the work and get things done, right? From their end. So on that edge computing standpoint, right, they hold on to some of these assets for four, five, six, even up to seven years, right? And then it starts having issues, memory issues. They don't have enough uh, CPU power, things like that. Hard drives start to, especially the old mechanical hard drives, right? When you should be basically, uh, you know, on a on a on a digital drive, right, rather than um, kind of analog drive. Those are huge issues. I experienced that with a couple of banks that I deployed to. So before I became a solution principal, I've been with Dell for, I'm in my 21st year and I was in delivery for the longest time. And part of that delivery was managed deployment, right? So deploying assets to end users, right? And into those, those frontline workers. And, um, you know, most of the time uh, it was, they were just getting rid of, at that point, it was junk. Right, just old stuff that couldn't keep up with a lot of the the new applications that are coming out from like SAP, right, Salesforce, that kind of stuff. Those things actually do a lot of local work, and so you need some horsepower for that. And then if you're like printing uh, and capturing uh, reports that you want to manipulate in uh, Excel, that can also you know drive having you know a little bit more horsepower. For instance, reports that I get out of Salesforce at Dell can be huge. I mean, thousands of lines of, of data and you need to sort through that and you need to create um, all kinds of pivot tables and things like that. You gotta have some horsepower to do it and you gotta have some memory to do it, right? Um, the longer you wait, the more time you're wasting trying to get uh, answers to the, the, the questions that you have 
based on that data. So that's what I see. And then the DOD, it's even bigger. So Dell start to get around that, Dell started a new service called PC as a service, right? Uh, and it can include everything. So it basically is like, like a lease, but it's very flexible, right? And you can flex up and down as your needs. Uh, if the model changes, we go right to the next model without charging additional monies, things like that. And you can build everything into that lease as well. And in your case, things like training, right? Which is huge, right? Interesting. That's a, a big aspect of uh, deploying to uh, those frontline workers is ensuring that if you're deploying anything new that comes along with that particular asset, training has to be forefront, not forefront. And if it's not, it's just going to hurt productivity and it's going to hurt your bottom line in the long run. That makes sense. That makes sense. Let me, yeah. So obviously one of the things, you know, if being devil's advocate against what you're saying here is obviously customers want to get as much longevity out of their hardware investments as they possibly can, right? So I, I understand that element. If they they pay X number of thousands of dollars per user yeah. for that equipment, yeah. the, the more years they can get out of it, the less cost it is on average per year. I but it, are there other reasons that people are doing that? Or are they, is it They're the changing. cost of change? Is it, you know, what, what are the other yeah. elements other than cost? Or is well, it just cost? If you look at it from a capital expense, then it turns into a budget item, right? And so that's what we're convincing our customers to get away from. Uh, DOD is really starting to look at that. Commercial customers have been doing it now for the last five, three or four or five years and getting out of buying these things on a large capital budget rather than uh, creating three and four year life cycles. And you're just going to do that as it goes. And so uh, instead of buying it, leasing it is a lot more cost effective. Now, by a lease, I mean something like what we're doing with that PC as a service that I mentioned earlier, because at the end of that lease, the customer has the option to buy it at the residual value and own it, or they turn it back into Dell. We give them a price, a residual price for that. We totally recover the asset in a sustainable way. We guarantee you that we're not going to put anything into a landfill, all that kind of stuff. But uh, And then we give you a price for that, and you can apply that to the next contract, right? So this way you're staying up with the latest hardware. It's an operational expense, not a capital expense. And so it does a lot less damage to the bottom line and you spread it out, right? Yeah. So you're not locked into, okay, we got to get 5,000 new laptops today, right? Um, and in the next four or five years, we got to get another 5,000, right? So we got to budget that money all the time to do that. This way you can have like that trickle kind of effect that you do a quarter of them this year, a quarter of them next year, right? And you buy that through an operational expense rather than a, a capital expense. It just makes so much sense. Yeah. I, um, I realize that I'm talking to a guy that works for a, a big hardware manufacturer. Yeah. So I, I, I ask this question with all due respect to the hardware side of things, but I, I've often said, you know, because I've been involved in some pretty large scale technology rollouts and involved hardware and software and everything else. And the reality is the hardware is the enabling function in most cases, right? And, and you've already mentioned this. The The real reason that we're rolling out new hardware or any hardware at all, or even trying to support old hardware is for the applications that run on it, the yeah. data that we're capturing, the data that we're transmitting, the data that we're reporting, right? It's, it's those reasons that drive that. 
And so it is interesting that we would let the hardware become the constraint in that process, right? And so when you talk about that and you say like SAP and, and Salesforce, they need horsepower. I agree with you. That's why I upgrade my laptop more often than maybe the average person, because I want to make sure that I can run those applications that I need to run to do my job with as little hesitation as possible. But yet we put the men and women on the front lines in a position where they're using oftentimes outdated hardware. And so we're, we're actually, instead of speeding things up, we're actually slowing things down. And we have aspirations to run the latest and greatest software from those vendors because the SAP guy's in there and the SAP team is in there and they're talking about rolling out the latest version of their software. And so we want to be able to do that, but we have this constraint. Exactly right. What role can you play in that mix when you're providing counsel to your customers to say, is there some measurement mechanism? Do you have the ability to, to measure the performance of those applications on the current generation of hardware to kind of make the case for, hey, if you were to upgrade now, here's what you would experience and here's the time savings that would happen in the field? Let me preface my response by saying it's going to get even worse from a software standpoint. Gen AI is going to create huge, huge workloads, right? Um, all those workloads can't be done in the cloud. It's impossible, right? A lot of these things are going to be done locally where you're using your own data lots of times to have that uh, large language model go after data and then build something for you that you're looking for, right? So uh, that is going to be big, right? Copilot is coming out from Microsoft. Uh, that's kind of that's a gener generative AI type of mechanism or or application. So uh, so that is going to require um, huge huge amounts, right? Of of of, of power processing power, uh, memory things like that. We do have a way that we can uh, look at uh, what a a group of users are doing on a particular network, right? And there's a bunch of applications that do that. One of them is uh, Lakeside Software SysTrack. Uh, the other one is um, Liquidware Labs has one as well. And then the one that we use at Dell is called NextThing. And you can actually put an app, it's an applet that goes onto the uh, end user device and it records what that particular user is doing from everything from CPU utilization, memory utilization, network IO, the apps that they're using from the ones they use the most to the ones they use the least, and what are they taking in terms of firepower on that particular uh, uh, asset, right? And we can take that then and figure out at, at that point, and you can leave, they can buy, the actual customer can buy that software and leave it on there and constantly re-look at the data to see, you know, which systems, especially for frontline users, are starting to slow down versus those that are running just fine, right? And so you can mark those data points and then uh, and then take take appropriate measures, right? To either replace or enhance or whatever you need to do, right? Or look at the application. Is the application the one actually slowing things down, right? Right. Um, and then they can get back to the to the software provider and go, hey, we got issues here, and here's where it's happening, and show them. Now we use that software a lot for things like personification. Right, where we actually figure out uh, personas for different groups of users, right? And so frontline worker would be a persona, so to speak. And based on that persona, then 
we can then derive, and based on the information that we got from next thing or SysTrack or whatever, um, we can look at and go, okay, based on the data that we're seeing, we need to um, we need to have these types of endpoints or edge computing points for these users. And we even we even automate it such that if let's say they're using uh, ServiceNow, that a user, when they get hired, we know exactly they're gonna go in this uh, department. So they're this type of persona. They go in or their boss goes in and they order them a new laptop or a new uh, desktop or even a, uh, a, 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 not a dumb terminal, but a, a, a VDI based terminal, right? Yep. And based on the horsepower requirements of the applications that they need to run. Exactly, exactly. And what we do is we can then have that ServiceNow instance go through all the approvals right there, uh, immediate when it gets ordered, it, it tells the user, okay, here's what you can order, order what do you want, whether it's laptop, desktop, whatever. They then automatically, it sends it out to the Dell Digital Workplace, where we will then take that order, look at what they have, what they need, go pull that, that asset from stock, drop their image on it, drop their applications on it. And when it gets to, and it's already been joined to their domain, so that when the user gets it, all they do is type in the password they're given. They have to redo that password right away, right? Uh, for security reasons, bang, all their apps, everything that is associated with their job are already on that unit. So productivity goes boom from minute number one, right? That's, those are the things that, that we do at Dell that try to automate and get rid of touches. The more times you touch an asset as you're deploying it, there's more room for error, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then at that same time, we also lots of lots of our customers, just like Skillful, will then take uh, things like uh, application learning uh, and provide it already on that particular box. We'll drop it on the box at our configuration center before the user even gets it. So they fire it up. They have a little piece of paper that comes with this password in. Boom. They come up and they see everything right on the desktop. Learn how to use Salesforce. Bang. They hit it, right? And they can go through it. Learn how to use ServiceNow, right? Learn how to use SAP. Whatever, you know, applications that they're going to be using as part of their job, those 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 applets, those educational applets are already there as well. That's amazing. That's really good to hear that you guys are doing that actually in the configuration center. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I, I want to go down, yeah. I, I want to go down a, a path that I'm probably going to open up an entire can of worms here, but I am just incredibly curious about this myself. I, I don't know that our audience has the same <laughs> curiosity about this topic, but I have spent most of my career working on the commercial side of things. And I know you've had some exposure to the DOD. You talked about this, um, you know, at, at the opening of our conversation today. Yeah. Really curious to get your take on the difference between the commercial use of technology on the front lines versus some of the use cases that you've been privy to on the DOD side of things. Is it the same just with a more cumbersome bureaucratic buying process? Uh, or do you know, what are some of the differences? I mean, I imagine that there are endless differences, not, not just in the buyer. I'm, I really don't care about the procurement process and stuff with, with the uh, government. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking more about the people, right? What are the differences between a delivery driver or a field service technician and a commercial scenario? versus uh, the, the women and men that are on the front lines in DOD 
that maybe are repairing aircraft or working on a ship or, you know, all, all of the things that happen in the military. I'm, I'm just fascinated uh, with that. and would love to hear your take on it. There, when you think about it, right. For instance, one of my best friends uh, is a director at Frito-Lay, right? So he runs a whole group of guys who drive those Frito-Lay trucks that you see everywhere delivering chips, right? And we always joke to him, right? The snacks must get through, right? Um, especially for like this coming weekend, Super Bowl weekend. Um, but listen, that is mission critical also. Mission, okay. that's my <laughs> point. It's mission critical to Frito-Lay. Right. Yes. Absolutely right. They need to get that their, their guys to be able to get online and they have tablets that they use and they can order, make sure everything. And it's got approvals. It's got the roots. It's got everything. Who gets what, when, where and how all that kind of stuff. Right. So it's mission critical to them, just as it's mission critical for an airman or a soldier. Right. Or women um, or uh, a, a seaman. Right. To be able to get critical data, right, uh, to make help make quicker decisions on what we need to do in terms of avoiding a strike or creating a strike, right, um, to our enemies or from our enemies. It's huge, right? Um, one of the things, and, and, and the government um, is, is, they're working really, really hard on next gen type of software that uses a little bit of gen ai and it's going to be using a lot more probably as we go around but for targeting and tracking right and so if you're out on the battlefield um, you need to be able to process information extremely quickly and so they're starting to see that and they're starting to see oh my gosh we need to be able to get those those field operatives out there, those frontline people, because that's what they are, the latest and greatest stuff so that they can make decisions to keep people alive. That's the objective, right? The mission is to win with as little damage as possible to our own forces, right? And as most damage as possible to the enemy. So um, they're really starting to turn things around in terms of looking at how they procure, how long it takes to procure, how quickly they can get applications down. Now you got to remember some of this stuff is extremely classified, right? Um, but uh, they they have to have the latest and greatest. And it's funny because you've got um, all these agencies like DARPA. DARPA is the Defense uh, Advanced Projects uh, Administration, right? These guys are the ones who invented the internet that everybody uses today that we're on yep. right now. Literally. Right? Literally, and they come up with some really cool stuff, right? To uh, enhance our our DoD capabilities, right? Um, then we've got DISA, which is the Defense Information Systems Group. Um, they kind of keep it all together. They figure out um, the, the you know how to make both the classified network and the unclassified networks run at optimal speed, right? Um, we deliver rugged uh, laptops and notebooks, right? For those uh, frontline folks, those, those, those uh, airmen and seamen and women and um, soldiers, right? Out in the field who are actually doing all this stuff and calculating what's where and all the inbound and outbound things that are going on. It's got to happen real time 
and it's got to be fast. I mean, we have aircraft that come in um, from reconnaissance flights and that data has to be downloaded like that, right? And then it's got to be analyzed like that <laughs> because if it's not fast enough, it could be too late. And if it's too late, people, things will not go well, right? So um, they're revising everything that they're doing. I see it on the forefront. I'm not a classified person. Uh, I don't have uh, a, a secret or top secret clearance, but um, you know, I sell a lot to the people that do, right? And although they can't tell me a lot of the stuff that's going on, I've got a pretty good idea, right? Mm -hmm. I, I have to. Uh, and, and so that's where we come in and we we try to help them. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to help them see things a little bit differently from a procurement process. And you're right, it is bureaucratic as all tomorrow. But so are, I've seen commercial customers who are as bad, maybe even worse. Right? Yep. It's, it's, it's insane. I mean, um, and so... Uh, you know, even at Dell, we're trying to cut bureaucracy down as much as we possibly can, and we're doing it through automation. And uh, that's a huge, huge thing, right? I mean, I just got an email the other day that my uh, corporate laptop, uh, I've got two laptops. One is is federal, uh, and it's one I probably use the most of the time. And I've got a corporate laptop, right? And I just got a thing the other day that my corporate laptop uh, needs to be replaced. It's time for the latest and greatest stuff, right? Um, and I'll tell you what, it's a precision laptop. It's a 5550. It's a nice laptop. We're really working to eliminate that stuff. We get rid of the approvals. There's one approval now instead of five approvals, right? Uh, where you've got to go all the way up to the senior VP to get approval uh, to get uh, a piece of hardware or to get monitors or anything like that. Now it's all done one time. Bang, done. I go into service now. I'm, and, and that's what we try to showcase to our customers. Hey, we're eating our own dog food. Yeah. Right. So the automation that I'm telling you that we can do for you and save you penny. I mean, literally, it costs pennies on the dollar compared to us shipping a raw hardware piece of hardware to you and then having it touch multiple hands to finally get it deployed. That's expensive stuff. Every time somebody touches it, it costs. Right. And so we've got things automated in our configuration center so much that I literally it turns out to be pennies on the dollar. And it's really hard sometimes to get not just DOD customers, but commercial customers to see past that, to see past how they used to do it in the old way. And it's just like when you do uh, a lot of your training and things like that, what do you got to do? It, it's the Kurt Lewin theory, right? You got to unfreeze them from the old way, transform them and freeze them into the new way, right? It's the same way with this hardware acquisition and deployment stuff. You got to get away from doing it the old way where you had guys sitting in a room and you slip pizza underneath the door and you told them, don't come out until these are all imaged and ready to go and all that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? We can take care of all that at our conf configuration center and it's pennies on the dollar. Right. So that brings us back to the end users who have to use the technology and and let's talk about some of the challenges and solutions around that in, in the DOD when when you talk about all the change that the the DOD is trying to implement to make sure that our military is is staying you know up on the latest and greatest technology when i hear that of course i'm excited by that feel safer from that 
but I also feel for the men and women on the front lines that have to absorb all of that change. I'm not sure that you are personally involved in that or that Dell has a role to play in that. Um, but I am curious about what you're seeing in terms of how the DOD is handling that change management and making sure that adoption can be successful, you know, across the board in, um, you know, in light of all that change. That, that's a great question. And that, that that's a good observation. How are they doing that? They're cutting down their life cycles. Number one, that's a big thing, right? Um, things, you know, it's Moore's law, basically. I mean, things just change so doggone fast that uh, if you don't keep up, uh, you're going to get left behind. And you and we can't afford to be left behind in the defense of our country and our allies. Right? it's 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 number one in uh, the president's mind. It's number one in all the uh, Pentagon people's minds. Right. Uh, matter of fact, we just got done outfitting a bunch of uh, Secretary of the Air Force's generals with those really cool two-in-one tablets, laptop tablets that convert, right? They love it, right? Because they can just grab that thing, flip it around and use it and then write on it and do whatever they need to um, and much, much quicker, much, much easier than they used to with having to take a, tap, a, a, a laptop on do it, wait till it boots up, log in, right? These things constantly stay on and they're always, you know, they can always do their work. Um, same thing, there, right? Number one, reducing that life cycle so that they've got the latest and greatest stuff. And then ensuring that when it gets deployed, um, they've got the applications already on there that they need that have already been field tested, have the uplinks needed to get data that they need to grab, right? In order to do their jobs and, and make the best decisions, whether it's fixing an airplane or a helicopter or a boat or what, or a ship, whatever, to being literally in the field of fire, right? And then having to figure out, you know, where they need uh, air support, right? Or ground support or whatever, right? Those are huge things. And what we, everything we can do to automate that and make that faster for them pays off huge, right? And, and it, 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 it's taken a little while to convince them of that, we have a project right now that we do for the, uh, that one of my uh, friends and associates, he's a, a, a solution principal as well. He represents uh, the Army. Uh, that's his big customer and the Army Corps of Engineers. And the Army Corps of Engineers basically said to us, look, um, we've got a lot of mission critical stuff going on around the world, right? And they do. Um, we want to be able to get a new asset to anyone in the continental US, we call it CODIS, right, obviously, um, within 72 hours, fully configured with every application that they need based on their persona. We said, okay, we can do that. And so basically what we wound up doing is creating a VPN connection into our configuration center from their network. That's called a NIPPER network, right? Because it's non-classified. And the other one is called SIPPER, which is classified. Um, and since Army Corps is, is non-classified for the most part, uh, we will uh, we have already a, a, a stock of what they're going to order available. The hardware itself. Hardware itself. And okay. the user goes online to ServiceNow, like I was telling you before, goes and sees what they can get. They place the order, needs one approval. Once that approval is done, it gets shipped to the Dell Digital Marketplace. It goes into their premier page, basically, kind of area, right? 
and then um, we get the order at the uh, configuration center. They pull that piece of stock. They image it. The image, uh, it gets 100% image. So by that, I mean, it's already joins their domain. So it's already a part of their domain. It's already got the, uh, the, the licensing done for, for Windows 11 and uh, for all the office stuff that they get as well, right? M365, all that. And then uh, based on their persona, we already have pre-packaged applications that all the, the technician does goes, give me tick, 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 and boom, it just downloads it all. Once it's all done, we box it all up. We put the tamper-proof stuff all over it, right? Because one of the things we're really, really proud of is our very secure supply chain. Um, and so we box that all up. We make sure that any, any drop-in-the-box stuff is there, like, you know, like, let's say, a Logitech camera or a special keyboard or something like that that they need. And we box it all up. And within 72 hours after that order is placed, that bad boy is on their desk, ready to go, right? And all they have to do is change the password and boom, done, right? That's, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, <laughs> I can't understand for the life of me by, why nobody, would, by, why everybody wouldn't be doing that, right? right. It just makes so much sense. And then uh, they do, the, let's say they do that uh, on a lease or whatever like that. So then the life cycle after four years, I think four years is, is three to four years is very good. Five to seven especially for mission critical stuff, that's too much, right? Um, because the software that's coming down is just going to eat it alive, right? I mean, everything's changed, especially once we get into this Gen AI stuff, that's even going to make it even more uh, compute intensive. It's just, it's just too old, right? The stuff's too old, right? So you got to, I think a three or four uh, year life cycle is plenty and it keeps your folks in the latest and greatest stuff it makes them much more productive. Things get done so much faster, right? And uh, now with everything as automated as we can get it, as soon as they're ready for a new one, they place the order, bang, we pick up the old one, we give them the residual value uh, towards their towards the next purchase and we're done. The cool thing about that whole PC as a service thing is that it, uh, it can also be a yearly payment that they make for whatever they buy during that year, or it can be per asset per month, whatever they want. And we can roll everything into that as well. So it just makes sense. It makes it easy. It makes it when you start, once you talk to decision makers and they go, yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. And then you go talk to procurement. Procurement's like, this is a no-brainer. Right? Yep. It makes my job so much easier. And guess what? If my job's easier and their jobs are easier and it goes faster, we're saving money. Oh, right. We do this transformative thing uh, we call uh, as is to be, right? And where we come in and we sit down and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a more or less a free service, but it does take time, right? So we're putting skin in the game here and we sit down and we figure out how are you doing things now, right? How are you deploying? How are you, how are you getting at, uh, applications to people? How are you training them? Right. And then we go, okay, in the middle is the transformative piece. So this is how we're going to transform everything. Oh, and here's the two big. Here's what it's going to look like when we're done. And here's how you're going to save money by transforming everything from the way you're doing it here to the way you're doing it. It's going to be right. And those are huge, huge things. And when you can show that to a customer, that usually gets them pretty well motivated. Right? Yeah. Um, but 
But those are things that we did that, that I've been doing at Dell for like the last 20 years. We really, in the last 10 years, started that as is to be transformational thing. We do it for everything. We do it for whether it's a cloud-based initiative, whether it's a data center-based initiative or end user-based or, or edge. <laughs> I got to keep saying edge. Right. right. But wherever it is, right? Um, you know, what's, what's it going to look like when we're done and how much is it going to save me versus how much it's going to cost me? Right? Yeah. And that's what you want to know. Uh, so you do, so we, you know, we have even ROI calculators that are uh, part of the Dell.com website that you can go out and look at and you put in, you know, what you think your numbers are, how, what you're going to be getting, you know, the hardware types, all that kind of stuff. And it literally spits out an ROI report, right? What's my return going to be right? over that's three awesome. years? Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. I have time for one more question. Cool. And I, I want, I like to connect the dots between the hardware and the, the user experience. And this kind of goes back to some of the things that you've talked about earlier about the software creating greater demands in the hardware creates a need to upgrade that hardware. What's the implication? I mean, I, you know, I know we think about it in terms of productivity. Yep. Right, that's important to decision makers in an organization to make sure that the people and the technology is as productive as it can be. Absolutely. But there's a human element of that as well, and I'm curious if if you have any advice for us about how to observe and measure the user experience implications when maybe we're not updating hardware as often as we need to, and it's having an impact on the organization. Any thoughts around that? Yeah, um, you can, well, you can always survey people, right? Um, but getting people to take time out of their day to do a survey and to be able to get the uh, detailed data and incremental data that you need to get a good answer is sometimes really hard, right? Um, those, those, those applications that I was telling you about before NextThink and, and Liquidware SysTrack, um, putting those down on those devices, right? And, and you don't need to do them all, right? So let's say you've got 10,000 devices, but you want to get a sampling, right? And that's what you need. And then you can extrapolate from that sample. So it's statistical analysis to a degree, but um, you put this little applet down there and it gathers all that stuff I was telling you about before, right? So, you know, what are the, are, are the uh, app, applications that they're using from the most used to the least used and what are those how are those affecting when they're running cpu utilization memory utilization disk io network io right it looks at all that kind of stuff and really quickly from that you can go okay i can see that uh it's taking forever for this guy's to this guy to refresh a page right or um, to get a response back from the server in the data center or from the cloud on an order that they're looking for, right? And that they have to remediate or that they have to place, right? Anything like that. Um, it gives you that data and you can really quickly ascertain, hmm, obviously things are running too good for this particular user. Uh, what can we do to fix that, right? And in some cases, it may not be replacing this piece of hardware, it may be replacing a piece of hardware down the chain, right? right. Could be a network, could be, it could be a switch, it could be a but, router. But the user's interacting with one device. So to them, and it's that's just, all hey, this see. device is a piece of crap. Exactly right, right. But so what you're, doing, 
you're looking at that device and you're going, <laughs> okay, yeah, oh, wow. Uh, and the implications of that are, are huge because you can see so much you as like the IT administrator or the uh, CIO, right? Lots of times CIO loves looking at this data, right? Because they can see if people are being productive or if they're just messing around too. That's a whole nother thing, mm -hmm. right? They got to be careful with that kind of stuff, obviously. But, um, you know, you can, at least you can see what kind of experience are they having. If, if everything's just clicking, boop, 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 and you can see that it's milliseconds between everything and it's on the low side, all that kind of stuff, you can pretty much generalize out of that 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 user's not having any problems, right? If they're having any problems, it's them, right? Right. That's, and that's, that's something in your case, especially, that you want to be definable because then you say, well, if they're not, if they're taking forever to get this done, right, and it should be a five-minute task, but it's taking them 15 minutes, then we've got a training issue, right? right? That's something we need to nip right away. And this, that data from NextThink and from SysTrack, that will tell you that kind of information as well, right? You can see it, you can extrapolate that, right? And they've already got canned reports and everything that take that data and it goes right to, it all goes to a SQL server, right? And so they've got canned reports that can help you extrapolate that data very, very quickly and take a look at it and go, yeah, okay, I can see where we're having problems. Here are some of the, the And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. And we can talk about this later on offline, you and I, yeah. about, you know, talking to folks like NextThink and going, because one of their big things is that they'll go, Hey, you know, Justin, um, to help you guys with your job of anticipating training needs for users, um, we'll give you 3,000 licenses, right? And once they get that on the machine and the customer sees the data that they're getting, they're like, okay, we want to buy it. That's powerful. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. very powerful. Very powerful stuff, right? So that's 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 you know something I think uh, in terms of your business and what you guys do, I think those can have huge implications. Yeah, that's awesome, Jerry. Thank you so much for the time today, man. I hate that we've got to wrap it up. I feel like uh, it's my pleasure. We could talk for another thirty minutes, but um, I I do need to wrap it up. So thanks again for your time no today, and um, to our audience, thank you for investing the time with us to explore others' experiences and ideas around technology adoption with frontline teams. Today, frontline teams meant something a little bit different than it does in kind of a commercial uh, you know, perspective, but uh, I think it was equally enjoyable. Hopefully, you'll be able to take an idea from today and put it to work with the frontline teams that you support. Unless this is your, this is your first episode, you probably already know that this podcast is sponsored by Skillful the only end-to-end -end systems training platform that's optimized for frontline operations. You can learn more about how you can solve your frontline systems training challenges by visiting skillful.com. That's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. Jerry, thanks so much for your time today, man. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Justin. I hope it was informative and in that, uh, you know, your, your, uh, the folks that watch your podcast get something out of it. I'm sure they will. Have a great rest of your day, man. You do the same, my friend. All right. Talk bye now. You.